0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you are made for more. Here's our latest message. Let's go. You guys feeling good? Awesome. I am so excited to jump in. We had Pastor Kelly last week, and she crushed it. She talked about long of nose and to be slow to anger. And as I was looking at this, I'll just be honest, I'm like, I'm a firm believer in like, you have to be preaching what you're living. And so there's particular spaces that I try not to touch yet, because I'm like, I don't, I'm not living that. And so there's a way I can, I can, I can preach it in such a way where I'm saying, hey, this is for everyone. But when I looked at that piece, I'm not like an angry person, but the person who embodies that the most in my life is Kelly is slow to anger. So I'm like, babe, you got to preach this one because this is who you are. You're so patient. You're so kind. You're so, I mean, like, she just is so gentle. But it's a strong gentleness. And so I wanted to shout you out, Kel. I love you. You're amazing. Anyway, I wanted to talk about this idea today. About something that's really not—it's—it's uh, it's not a norm in our culture anymore, right? So we—we we live in 2023. We'll be going in 2024, and within our culture, and when I say our culture, I'm—I'm I'm talking specifically for us, like that Hollywood space, right? We live in California, and we get a different side of of the world, and um, especially the reason I say that is because you know I have brothers that are in Texas, and they just. A brother that's in Texas, and he has three young, young sons, and you can just already see like a different cadence on them. of Of the environment that you live in, it really affects you, right? And so, when you're when you're around um, us Californians, right, especially when we don't believe in God, especially when those are far from God, it is a different sense of attitude, a posture, a cadence. And one of the markers that we have seen, and I think everyone would agree, is one of the things that we don't hold true to, uh, to us as a people is loyalty. Loyalty. In our, our marriages, and in our relationships, in our church, in our spaces that we embody community, we are not a very loyal people. And so if you are, you stick out like a sort. It's like, whoa, this person's different. And it's like, really, they are. They just embody the characteristic of God of being love, loving, loyal. And so we see this all the time now, like divorce. Gosh, it's just, it's a skyrocket. It's like every other person, right? It's, it's a space where we don't really have to commit like we used to. Back in the day, it didn't matter where you were, in California or Texas or Florida or Oregon, loyalty was just a part of who you were. I'm a loyal person. My dad would always say it was just a handshake. You just shake a hand and you're loyal. And my father has always told me, and I was, you know, I'll be honest, Dad, I would, I would kind of disagree a little bit, but then as I've gotten older, he would always say, Sam, you may get lucky to have one loyal friend, one. And I'd be like, ah, oh, I don't know, like, you know, that's maybe my dad's mindset. And then as I've grown and, and experienced life, it's, it's kind of true where people aren't as loyal as they used to be. They're not as faithful. They don't just show up to show up. When it gets hard and the storms come and the waves crash, it's like, oh, you just back out. No, nah, it's not for me. And so I've, I've come to realize in my own life, whether it's friendship, whether it's, 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 it's relationship, it's marriage, we are called by God to be a loyal people. And so my prayer for our community, my prayer for you and for me is that we would, we would put our feet deep down, right, and, and make it concrete in the spaces that we should be loyal in. I'm not saying you should be loyal in everything. But when it comes to relationship, when it comes to a community, when it comes to marriage, there's no, there's no second option, And unfortunately, that's not the song we sing here in California. So what I want to talk to you today about is loyal love. And it actually comes from one of the characteristics that God, Yahweh, speaks to Moses Exodus and here's the scripture that we've been reading every single week and we've been hitting on each characteristic differently It says so Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones because the first ones he destroyed because he was so angry when he came down And saw the people of God after he was just getting all of the ten words or commandments They were already worshiping a false calf that they put together a gold calf and he was so angry that he he destroyed the tablets that God had written on. So he went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the original translation says, Yahweh, Yahweh. The compassionate, we've talked about that, a compassionate God like a mother who has a a child in her womb, a compassionate God, a gracious God, slow to anger, and then abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet, don't forget the yet. Sometimes we just want God to be that loving God, and he is, but he actually wouldn't be all true love if there wasn't a sense of discipline or punishment. How could someone be the, the, the very understanding and embodiment of love if there is no coming against injustice. Does that make sense? It's, it's like, it's not like we want evil, but evil helps us understand what is good and what is not. And so God will come against evil. He will come against the injustices of our own doing. And so he says, maintaining love to thousands Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. I was having this conversation with myself the other day, and I was thinking, man, um, I, I don't know if, if it's good to always come up, like, to speak the harsh truth, right, in the scripture. And I'm just letting you in, in my mind for a second. It's because, I, you know, a part of me is like, I, I want you to see the beauty and the wonder of God. But then there's also the voice of God that speaks against that voice and says, no, how will they or you know? Unless you understand that with true love comes also an injustice when there's evil. When there is an injustice, when there's evil, when there's wrong, there has to be a consequence to that. And if there's not, that's what grace is. Does that make sense? So if you did someone really wrong, and you deserved the verdict, you deserved when you went through trial, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm it, I'm done. And God says, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll wipe that debt. That is undeserved grace. That's why he's a gracious God. That's Ken, right? That's favor that you don't deserve and I don't deserve. However, when we repeat it over and over and over and over again, the scripture says, and I'm going to hit on this a little bit, that there are consequences to our sin. And if we're not careful, the way that God established it, he didn't do it because he's an angry, he's, not in, he's slow to anger. He didn't do it because he's not compassionate. He's compassionate. He didn't do this because he's not grace; He's a graceful God. He does it because at some point he'll just give you away to it. And the scripture says that if you repeat the sin and the rebellion over and over and over again, that for three to the fourth generation, the sins of the father and mother will be the ramification of the children. Can you just think about that for a second? Mom and dad aren't perfect. Think about your grandparents. They're not perfect. But if you would just pause for a moment, you'll see repetition of sin. And oftentimes it was because it was unforgiven sin. Or it's just the person just didn't want God anymore. But scripture makes it clear that this is very important that we understand. And so anyway, that conversation with myself, I'm like, no, this is necessary because not only do we have a people that are young adults, we also have all generations. But it doesn't matter what age we are in the kingdom. Age doesn't matter. What matters is your faithfulness and your obedience to God. And, and my promise to you that I'm not getting from myself is from the scripture that when you abide and obey and you live the way that Jesus calls you to live, there isn't, it's not, life is not always perfect, but you have ken over you, grace and favor. Your marriage is blessed. Your children are blessed when you put God first. There is a sense of God's covering that is over you. On the contrary, the Old Testament shows us when God spoke to Moses, if they don't, Moses, if they choose not to, they're doing it to themselves. It's their repetition of sin and rebellion that will be their demise. Does that make sense? Okay, now we're gonna talk about loyal love because it's good. <laughs> we're gonna look at this fourth phase, phrase, and it translates the Hebrew word hesed. Okay, it's kind of like the hear that chesed, but just don't think of a K, think of an H, chesed, just say Hassed. can you say that with me, chesed, 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 which is hard to translate into any language, here's why, because the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrew language, it's so difficult sometimes to translate, that's why there are literal professors and PhDs that have studied for 10, 20 years on just the language of ancient Hebrew, but hased is best translated when it's combined the ideas of love, generosity, enduring commitment in one. Love, generosity, and an enduring commitment. Chesed is not merely an emotion or feeling, but it involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. Hased describes a sense of love and loyalty that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior towards another person. So, when we're looking at the characteristics of God, the reason why I wanted to talk about this so so much is because if this is the character of God, then how much more should this be the character of us, of a people? This is what then separates a people from those that are not a people of God. And it is so true. Just think, really, just think for a moment. When someone doesn't have Hased the way that God calls us to, then we don't really care about loyalty. But it's a loyal love. It comes from a place of compassion. It comes from a place of meaning and purpose that is drawn towards loyalty. Here are some scriptures that show us this characteristic of the God we serve. Nehemiah 1.5, Then I said, Nehemiah says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, Who keeps his covenant love, that's hesed, with those who love him and keep his commands. That's a promise, by the way. He's a great and awesome God. He keeps his covenant love with who? Those who love him and keep his commands. Did you catch that? It's like so simple, right? It's like, okay, I'm just going to live the way God's called me to live through his way and commands. And he promises to show covenant love to me. Daniel 9.4 says, I pray to the Lord my God and I confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love, there's said, with those who love him and keep his commands. Jeremiah 32.18, you show love to thousands, but you bring the pr- punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Isn't that like a little daunting? Can I just be honest? It makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> In a good way, in a good way, that the decisions that Sam and Kelly make actually will affect my children. And I think sometimes we, we are so selfish here in California. We're so selfish. We're so me-centered and I-centered. It's all about me, and it's for my glamour, and it's for my look, and it's for who I am and for my name, and yet you forget that your son or daughter holds your name. And your decisions will create ramifications, both good or bad, to the children that God has actually given you. They're not even yours. When we look at the scripture, God has entrusted the children to you and to to me and Kelly. And so then it's my job, it's Kelly's job, it's a family unit's job, it's a mother and father's job, or for, for many that... Maybe you're a widow or you've been divorced. Then it's the mother's job, if you love God more than anything, to make sure that they understand the commands and the way of Yahweh. That what? what? Who is that he's compassionate? Lenya, Zoe, he's a compassionate God. He's a graceful God that's filled with favor of your life. He's slow to anger. Slow, though. He'll get angry at you. And he's also loyal to you. That's the God we serve. So then we got to do a good job at teaching that to our children. But how could we teach that church if we don't embody it? It's like, you know, don't tell your kids to cuss, but then you just cuss all the time. It doesn't make sense, right? Don't tell your children to do X, Y, and Z, but yet you do the very thing that you're telling them not to do. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And your children are a lot smarter than we think. They see those things. So it is our call and duty via the scripture that we are to be a people that follow his way and his command. And the promise is that God will see them through and will bless them for thousands of generations. That's a big blessing, by the way. Can you comprehend that? Thousands of generations, my children, will be blessed? Yeah, when you put God first. Here's a reminder of his justice and love, Numbers 14, 18, and 19. This one is an ouch. It's a stinger. It says the lord is slow to anger he's long of nose he's not short nose he's long of nose it takes time abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the 3rd and 4th generation in accordance with your great love forgive the sin of these people this is moses contending on behalf of the people just if you pardon them from the time they left egypt until now So a part of loyal love is the embodiment, and remember it's multifaceted, it's not just a one statement that we can say here in English. It's got layers to it. One of the pieces of Hasid is that it's generous and unconditional. Generous and unconditional, like the story of Ruth. I don't know if you've heard of the story of Ruth, you probably should. When when I look at the Old Testament, um, I love the New Testament, because Jesus is all over it, right? But the Old Testament shows the stories And the way that God does what he does. And why he does it. And it shows. The reason I love the Old Testament. Is because it's so relatable to you and I. It is just people that are like you and I. That God has impressed. And done a great work in. And he shows that it's possible. All things are possible. But there's a woman named Ruth. And she was married to a a man that was an Israelite. He was a Jew. Right? He was from Israel. And he... Had a mother named Naomi. Naomi had two sons, right? Two sons. Tragically, we're not told why, I don't believe, but tragically, both sons pass away. And one of the the, the daughters is Ruth. Right? So Ruth has a mother-in-law named Naomi. And it was at this time when there was a passing away, you, you didn't, you weren't. You weren't obligated to stay. She, she, Ruth wasn't obligated to stay with Naomi. The other daughter-in-law left. She's like, see you later. I'm going to go live my life. I'll get remarried. Naomi says, go. Do what you have to do. You're no longer obligated to me. And Ruth shows, this is one of the first times of this loyal love of what this embodies. You see, because Ruth was a foreigner married to the Israelite man. Tragically, husband dies. And all Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi. It says this in Ruth 1, 16 to 17. But Ruth replied when Naomi said, go, just do what you got to do. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if death, even death separates you from me. Now, that saying, that whole scripture is an embodiment of Hesed. Here Ruth is, she wasn't commanded by God to do this. This is why I love the scripture. Nowhere in it says, and God commanded Ruth to do this. She chose it. She said, hey, Naomi, I'm going to be your girl. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you no matter come hell or high water, the storm, I'm with you even to death. And the scripture says, if you follow Ruth long enough, that God blesses her over and abundantly with a man named Boaz. Which Boaz and Ruth have a child, and that child has a child. And when you look at the genealogy of Matthew, Jesus comes from Boaz and Ruth. It was just a sense of, I'm with you. And again, we hardly see that in our culture, right? No, it's like, we probably been like, oh yeah, I'm good to go, have a good time. Naomi, hope you do well. No, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. This was the generous and unconditional Hesed. Naomi tells Ruth she should go back to her people, but instead Ruth promises to stay by her side and take care of her. And as other people watch Ruth, they're watching her, keep this promise over time, they call it an act of Hesed. Notice that Ruth's Hasid is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. Can I give a side note real quick? It literally says that her worth, it wasn't dependent on her worth, this this loyalty. It wasn't dependent on what she did or didn't do. She made a choice. I'm with you. I will go where you go. I will take care of you, Naomi. It wasn't dependent on worth. Rather, it was an expression of Ruth's character. This is character, by the way. And please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that you need to be loyal to Coin Church or to me. That's between you and God. But all I'm saying is the scripture points this out, that God didn't command this of her, but it was shown by other people this is what said looks like. The same way that God is to us, Ruth has shown this to Naomi. Now Ruth's loyal love is truly inspiring, but the one who shows the most enduring has said is God, right? It's God. He shows undeserved has said. You didn't deserve it. That loyalty that God has to you, you don't really deserve it. I don't deserve it. Why? Think about it for a second. How many times in our wrestling and struggling do we sort of turn our back on God? It happens a lot, by the way, and it's actually kind of frustrating to me and And yet I do it sometimes too, even in my thoughts or my mind or my perspective. And you see this in the story of Israel. But with God, I want to show you a story of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob had a great-grandfather, a grandfather named Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is a God of family. You got that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now Abraham is promised by God. He says, Abraham, I know you have no children, but I want you to look up the stars and count them. I can't count them. He's like, yeah, because that's how many descendants and children you will have one day, Abraham. I'm going to bless you so much. You're going to be the father of many nations. Father Abraham. And Abraham's like, okay, I don't have any children, though. And then he has Ishmael, and that was not good. But then he has Isaac. And so from Isaac, he has a son, Jacob. Now, Jacob was not a good guy. (laughs) Sometimes we make it seem like he was. No, he was a liar. He was a conniver. He was treacherous, even to his own family. But despite that, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. Why? Because he's loyal. Jacob didn't deserve it. But because he promised it to Abraham, he'll come through with his word. That he would have a huge family through whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. So 20 years later, when Jacob realizes how undeserving he is, you know what he says to God? I'm not worthy of any of this, God. You've shown me hesed over and over and over again. I'm not worthy. And he was right. But God's Hasid was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. This is actually good news for you and I. His grace to you, his loyalty to you is not dependent on your worth. It's not dependent on what you do. It's not dependent on how you act. Now, it's important that we take on the posture. But what, what's beautiful about God is this is why it's undeserved to us. But God's has said was never about this, right? Now, I want to show you God's has said for Israel. Which, by the way, when you look at Israel... Of course, in a literal context, it was its own people, it has its own nation, right? And it's been around for a really long time, all throughout the Old Testament. Established, I guess, I think it's 1948 as an actual nation. But before that, there were kings, there were rulers that would take it away. It is arguably the, the most hostile with war place on the, on the, the face of the earth is Israel, The most wars and battles have been in that little small area of the world. Crazy, right? Now, what God says to Abraham is, I'm going to make you a people. And, in fact, Abraham is in Canaan. He's in the wilderness, and he's trying to find out who he is, and he's, like, really old. God calls him to go on a dream and a purpose and a mission. And he says, I'll do it, God. I'll sell everything I have. I'll leave my hometown, and I'll go on a journey. And as he's in the journey, God speaks to him and says, hey, the land, the the space you're on right now, your descendants will inhabit, and it will be a people and a place. Abraham never saw that come to be but God said this is my promise and my covenant to you. So now hundreds of years later the Israelites are on the scene. God's has said continues in the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. And the reason why I say that Israel is like us is because can you imagine getting out of slavery from Egypt? Moses like leading you through like this massive wall of water. Running through it the chariots coming, Pharaoh right behind you, getting on the other side, and then God closing the water. Could you imagine that? That's wild, right? Literally weeks after, moments after, they're complaining. Oh, is God with us? How much longer are we going to be here? I'm hungry. So then God drops bread from the sky. Give us today our daily bread. And then they eat it. And so, but then they complain again. Whoa, oh, gosh, if God really cares for us, why doesn't he send us meat? So then God sends them quail. And the scripture literally says that God would come at times in a pillar of, of smoke or a cloud and lead them. Literally, Moses leading the pack. hundred millions of people, by the way. Can you imagine this in the wilderness? And a pillar of smoke and saying, okay, that's the way we're going, guys. Come on. Let's go this way. God's telling us to go this way. Like, could you imagine seeing those things and then doubting God. And then going, when Moses says, I'm going to go talk to God, be, just, just chill out for a second, I'll get direction. After they see all of this stuff and then they build a golden calf and start worshiping it, because that's what the other nations did. And the reason why I say that we're like Israel is because we do the same thing. God is good to us, God is faithful, God provides. We were praying for that job and praying and praying and then God provided for us and then a couple weeks go by and we forget. Oh, God, are you real? Can you help me? Like, what are you talking about? God, God answers the prayer request of health or sickness or something going on. He answers the prayer request of the friend that's wavered that doesn't know God. He does it for you. He shows you his way. And then a couple months go by, and it's just like, ah, I don't really know about this God. I don't know if he's real. But this happened to the people of Israel over and over, and it's a, it's a story of us. And my thing is, I don't want to be like that. How about you? Because God was so loyal to them over and over and over again. Why can't we just be loyal to him then? When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and Jacob. So God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed. Because it was about God keeping his word. Do you know God keeps his word, church? He keeps his word. And if you don't know what his word is for your life, then read the word. And there are promises. And there's been moments in my life where I had to pull up all the promises of God and just read them over myself. Read them over my family. Read them over this church. God, these are your promises. This is your way. You say this, God. I'm asking that you would would move on your behalf because you say you will do it. This is who you are. Now on their way to the promised land, the Israelites are scared of the nations around them and they doubt that God can protect them. So the people threatened to kill Moses. Could you imagine that? They threatened to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. This is what is so mind-boggling to me. They were enslaved for thousands of years. Could you imagine being a slave? They get out. They're in the wilderness. It might not be as good, but it's better than being a slave. And they're like, we would rather go back. And you know, I think I've said this before, (laughs) but that old saying, you can take someone out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of them. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a true saying. Until you let God do a deep work in your heart. What good is it for behavior modification unless there's a true, true heart shift and change and transformation so we need to be a people that are like God compassionate graceful slow to anger many of us have to work on that a little more than others right and we got to learn to be loyal to God like he's loyal to us and to others Notice that Moses asks God to forgive, not because the people deserve it, but because it's consistent with God's character. Wow. God agrees, and he recommits himself to a people that don't want to be committed to him, which is a side note. How often are we not really committed to God, but he's committed to us? I could only imagine that in in, in a marriage. Like, being fully committed but they're not committed to me. Could you imagine how God feels when you do that to him? This is the part that grieves God. This is the part that, that that makes him mourn. We look at God in light of who Jesus was. And he was a God that cried. He had compassion for a people. Even on the cross, Jesus says, don't. Don't do, like, don't withhold God. Like, don't show anger towards them. Forgive them of their sins. They don't know what they're doing. He's on the cross, dying, because they put him there, and he says, God, they don't know what they're doing. And so yet, we kind of need to figure this part out in our relationship with God, that he's going to be loyal to us, so then we need to be loyal to him. I wanted to um, briefly talk about this this guy, because I was... I listened to this talk, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about this story. That's why I love the Old Testament. But David, you all know who David is, right? David had a commander named Uriah, Uriah the Hittite. Now, Uriah was loyal to David. He was so loyal that even when David invited him back from war to sleep with his wife, he said, no, because my men are out at war. So with David, he's looking outside. And sees Bathsheba, not his wife, by the way, not David's wife. And so David, and the reason why Bathsheba was so close is because Uriah was high in the the, the commanding, like, hierarchy, hierarchy. So, So I've been to Israel, and it's crazy. I was like, this is where David's palace is. And it oversaw the whole city. So it makes sense that if David would go outside, he would be able to see over the balconies. And she wasn't taking a shower. They didn't have showers, and she was taking a bath. But he should have been at war, David. But he was at home because he got comfortable. While his men were dying and being killed on behalf of him. So David goes and in scripture says inquires of Bathsheba. Tells his men, hey I want you to go and and inquire of her. And the scripture says he sleeps with her and he gets her pregnant. Now one thing we don't read into is you have to remember the day and age. Sometimes I'm like, did Bathsheba willingly do that? He was a king. What do you do when the king says, come to my bed, right? She could have pushed back, but I don't know how this guy David, people think he was perfect. No, he wasn't perfect. He just feared God. He would just go to God every time he would make a mistake and say, God, forgive me. So long story short, she gets pregnant. David tries to cover it up and says, ah, I'm going to call Uriah. Her husband, the Hittite, who is high in command, loyal to David. I'm going to call him back home for a day, stop war, come back, and just be with your wife, man. Just be with her. Just rest. Just relax. And the scripture says that Uriah was so loyal to his men, to his people, to his king, to his nation, that he sat back and chose not to sleep with his wife. He said, because if my men are out dying for me, I should be with them. I will not have pleasure tonight. So then... That didn't happen. That didn't work. So you know what David says? I'm going to have to kill him. His man, his loyal man, I'm going to have to kill him. It's like a movie, right? That's why I love the Old Testament. So then, (laughs) I love the stories. You guys like the story? So then David says, all right, Uriah, he writes a note, and you can look it up in Scripture. I'm just paraphrasing, but it says he gives the commander, the higher commander, Joab, the one that he knows is even loyal about all other men, he gives a note and says, I want you to go into battle with Uriah and make the men pull back and retreat and let Uriah die. He writes it in a note, seals it, and he gives it to Uriah to take to Joab. He knew he was so loyal, he wouldn't even open up the seal. Uriah takes his death warrant to Joab. Joab opens it up, was loyal to the king, and then the scripture says that the men went out into war. He pulled, they pulled back, and Uriah the Hittite died, and you know what's crazy? There's another story in scripture that says two men, they, they weren't, they didn't fully have the city yet. David was kind of like a nomad, but he knew he was going to be king, and they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't conquer the city yet, And they were out on the outskirts of the city of Israel. And David would say, he said, if I could just drink the water of like Jerusalem, the river. And so two men, it doesn't say who they were. They say, if that's what our king wants, we're going to do it. So they go behind enemy lines. They go over the river bank. They climb up the water and they get the water well in a cup. And then they come all the way back and they give it to David. And I never understood why David would do this, but he pours the water out. And says, this is my God's water. I will not drink this cup until we have the land he's promised us. And he pours it out. And I have a hunch, I'm not saying this is true, that one of the men was Uriah. He was loyal to David. And he saw the loyalty that David said, no, 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 this is for God. So Uriah goes and dies a death. And the reason why I share this whole story, if you were to look up Matthew chapter 1, Can you just go get with me there really quick? Uh, Sorry, I don't have it on there. I'm going somewhere, church. Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus. This is what I love about God. Because I want to share this, that God is provoked and drawn by loyalty. He's drawn by faithfulness. He's drawn by faith. It provokes God. It does something to him. And it says this in the genealogy. Where is it? Sorry. I have it in my notes. I'm looking for Uriah. It says Uriah. Over six? Okay. And Jesse, the father of King David. But, and David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. God put Uriah in the genealogy. He didn't even belong in there. But God saw the loyalty of this man, so much so that 150 years later after David committed this sin with Uriah, the Bible says, "And God loved everything David did. He had one thing against him. What he did to Uriah the Hittite." So God, he does he has something with loyalty. It provokes him. It moves him. That's why in my own faith, in my own walk with God, with my family, for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to be loyal to God. We're going to say, God, come hell or high water, I'm not backing down. I'm not leaving. I'm not doing anything that you haven't called me to do because I will be loyal to you, God, because you're loyal to me. And that should be the call of every disciple of Jesus that we would say it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to listen and obey to the king's order. It just so happened this king was crooked, David. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. But Nathan the prophet, he had something to do with him after. You should read that on your own time. He was punished. There was consequence. And then David's household was not healthy, church. I, I heard a Jew one time, I was talking about David. And he was like, I don't know why you Christians celebrate David. He was not a good man. And I was like, I guess it's kind of true. <laughs> he was like a, considered a rapist, what he did to Bathsheba. He was a murderer. But yet the Bible says he still was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because when he messed up, he would go to God and say, God, I repent. I made a mistake. But there was still punishment over David's house. All right, that was a complete side note. But in the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason. It's just who God is, church. Of course, he wants his people to respond with loyal love. But even when they don't, God's said remains. And the prophet Hosea commanded Israel's said to a morning mist that's here one moment and gone the next. In other words, this is like the prophet is saying this is how the people of Israel are. It's like the morning mist. The loyalty that the Israelites have with God, it's like it's there one day in the morning and then it's gone as soon as the day ends. And my prayer for Coin and for us is not so with us, that we would be a people that's loyal to God, that we wouldn't be like morning mist that's, that's there in the morning and gone at night, but that we would be steadfast and constant and steady with God, loyal to him and loyal to a people. And I just think that that's the problem right now in our culture. We don't know how to be loyal to a people. Have you thought about that? Because it's, it's in the loyalty of people that we share the deepest parts of who we are. After a while, your sin is going to become known. Your unhealth will be revealed. But then it's like, oh, they found out. I'm going to go to the next church. I'm going to go to the next church. And Pastor Mike calls them Rolling Stones. But the reason why I share that is because my encouragement is to find a place and to be loyal to it. Don't back out when things get hard. Don't back out when it gets rough. And that's why divorces at a high time skyrocket. And you look at the church and people are in and out, left and right. There's no loyalty anymore. There's no commitment to a people or to a God. And I know that stings. But in my own life, that's what Kelly have committed our lives to. No, we're staying, man. There's been moments when I wanted to leave. Can I be honest? It's like, no. Who said it was going to be easy? Who said marriage was going to be easy? Can we be honest? Who said raising children that are crazy would be easy? <laughs> Who said that? Who lied to you? And I, the reason I say that is because I have seen I know I'm young, church. But I've seen and heard the stories, and I have to sit in front of people crying and broken, weeping and mourning over the devastation of another human being because they did not put God first. They were selfish. They were self-centered. They had no reliance on God. They only had reliance on themselves. They didn't care about the accolade of God. They just wanted to do what man told them to do. And so my fear for a people. This is why I I'm sometimes make you uncomfortable because I have to make myself uncomfortable. I have to remind myself of what the Word of God says. There are consequences to our actions, to our choices, to our decisions, and they create a ramification for the future. And I don't know about you, but I want to have, like John fourteen fourteen or fifteen fourteen. I want to have life not just to the, not just life, but to the full. And Jesus promises you that because he's loyal to you. He didn't have to come and die your death, but he did it because his loyal love. So Jesus, as God, he shows us this chesed. So after centuries of Israel betraying, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm coming to a close. After centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way. How? By becoming human. And we'll learn in the coming weeks by being born a baby, leaving his kingdom to come to the kingdom of heaven, or to come to the kingdom of this earth. He left the kingdom of God to come here. He became a little baby, but he was loyal. He was loyal. He was steadfast. He listened to the father. He did whatever the father told him to do. He was loyal to a people. Could you imagine having Judas on your team? Could you imagine that? (laughs) But it happens. So the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel who is full of loyal and love and faithfulness. Church, that's the God you serve. Did you know that God is loyal to you? No matter what happens, he's, gonna be, he's loyal. All you got to do is turn to him. All you got to do is call out to him. All you got to do is say, God, I'm done living life my way. Do whatever you want to do in my life, God. Rid whatever you want to rid out of my life. I, I am... For you, God. I'm not for myself anymore. And I believe that when we can come to that place of full surrender, where we get on our knees before God, where we could care less about what anyone says about us, that's when God can grab a hold of someone's heart. But the warning is there. You can play with fire. Go for it. God's not going to force you not to. But you're probably going to get burned a little bit. And you'll still have the memory of it. That's why I'm like, oh, that's why God says not to do that. That's why God says not to have sex before you get married. That's why God makes it clear that marriage is a loyal commitment. Not like, I'm going to try this out. See how it works. Eh. I don't really like how she talked. I don't really like how he would, like, do the laundry. So, like, I mean, we're not really married. We're just living together. So, like, I'm out. That's the American Christian culture, and I speak against that. I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but there's a reason why marriage is falling, church. We're not committed. We're not a people that are serious. We're not a people that say, it doesn't matter what he or she or culture or TikTok or Instagram says. My God says to be faithful to him, to obey him, to abide in him, and if I do that, He blesses my children and children's children. I'll never forget, thank God for my mom and all her prophetic friends. Honestly, honestly, I was in a whirlwind in high school. Brendan knows, we worked in In In-N-Out, and I'd come stressed out all the time. Like, what's wrong with you, man? I'm like, oh, I just have, like, girl problems. (laughs) And um, I'll never forget one of my mom's friends. I never even, I, I don't think, met her. She wrote me a letter. And I was in my junior year of high school. And I just, I'm fascinated by the future. And God has just like pulled more of that out of me as I've gotten older. But I I didn't think about this one thing. I wasn't thinking about the decisions I was making as a man in my youth, in my purity, in my walk with God. I wasn't taking it serious when it came with relationship. And she wrote me a letter and I trembled when I read it. It said, choose, I'll never forget. It said, choose wisely your wife, for she will be the mother of your children. And when you fall, get back up. And when you fall, get back up, because God is with you forever. And it hit me to my core, man. I'm like, whoa. So you know what I started to do? I started to think about the mother of my children. How would she be? How would she act with them? Was she wayward and drinking and partying all the time? Or was she constant and steadfast and healthy and kind and slow to anger and loving and gentle? Was she serious about this God or was it just a no-brainer like, ah, whatever. It's, ah, not sure. And as soon as I found her, I said, no, this is it. This is it. You can't tell me otherwise. Because you have to think that far ahead because it will happen. Does that make sense? But when you're loyal to God, God will be loyal to you. Even when you're not, he's still loyal to you. When you I'll say it this way. I'm going to transition a little bit. When you take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. When you honor God, he will honor your family. When you say, God, this is a covenant between man and a wife before you. This is not just, yeah, and we'll sign it legally. It's a document. This is not a contract. I am in this with you for life. So get used to me. And I got to get used to you. There's no backing out of this. There's no backing down. I am loyal to you because our God is loyal to us. But where are the people that say I'm not serious about God? Where are the people that say it just it matters what God says and not what you say? Where are the men and women that care fervently for a move of God, not just in the world's life, but in your life? It's got to happen in your family first before it happens out there. It's got to happen at your home at first. And I got a lot of work to do, and Kelly will come up and tell you. I'm not the, perfect, I'm not the most perfect man, but I love God. I fear God. I don't care what any man says. I might comprehend it for a little bit, and at the end of the day, God says to do it, I'll do it. But, my friend, you got to get loyal like that. you got to get loyal. Find a people that are loyal to God. Find a people that love God more than they love you because you got some issues, and so do I. Find a people that say, I'm going in a particular direction, and it's heavenward. And I got my mistakes, I got my issues, I got my brokenness, but I'm staying this out. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm be steadfast towards you, God. That's my prayer for you, for me, for your family, for your children and your children's children, for your marriage. There's no backing down anymore. Don't let the enemy win. Church, don't let the enemy win get serious about his loyalty to you be loyal to him see what he does it's big it's grand it's more beautiful than you could ever dream or imagine it's the power of God's favor his grace his compassion and his loyalty to you so it's like who are you going to choose which which route are you going to go You only got today, by the way. We're not promised tomorrow. James makes that very clear. So right now, today, in this moment, I'm going to choose to be loyal to God. In Jesus' name.